Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. Our third host, Owen, is again sleeping, and he may or may not be joining us for this episode because we predict that this one will be a relatively quick episode because we are talking about Season 6, Episode 14, The Banker, which is basically a clip episode. So this is a very common sitcom trope of they have about mm, 5 to 10 minutes of new footage and then the rest is just flashbacks to previous episodes. So in this episode, an investment banker evaluates Dunder Mifflin, Michael modernizes the office, and Toby struggles with the evaluation. The cold open is basically Michael just saying he made some improvements, and improvements is a very generous word here, to the office to make the branch seem more appealing to this investment banker. And as we get into the beginning of the episode, we see what some of these improvements are. In Michael's parking spot is parked a, I think it's a Corvette convertible, just to make it look like Michael makes more money than he does. When the banker enters the office, Michael rolls out on a Segway, which is just completely pointless. Yeah, Michael is thinking that this shows that he's super busy, he can't be bothered to walk, it's more productive for him to be on this motorized you know, Segway, but it really doesn't come across that way. It comes across, like, in my opinion, to this investment banker as he's nuts, because you can tell it's not a big office. He's not going you know, across a ginormous warehouse. And I think it's interesting to me that Michael takes it upon himself to do all these, quote, cosmetic tweaks, when really the banker tells us he just needs to look at the warehouse and talk to HR. He really does not care about the rest of the office. Right. Michael introduces Pam as the international liaison, and she says hello in like four different languages, and that's it. She doesn't, doesn't say anything else. Andy is pretending to be on the phone and then chimes in and says, hey, Michael, good news. We are now the official paper supplier of the NFL. And the investment banker looks very puzzled by this because he probably likely knows if that was the case, there wouldn't be a sale happening. Yeah, that's a good point. Michael then introduces Stanley, who is not Stanley at all. It's just a younger black guy and probably one that's maybe a little more well-tempered. Yes, this guy seems to have a little bit more spunk to him. Pam then does an interstitial with the camera where she comments on all these changes. And she says, as crazy as it might sound, after the firing of everyone at corporate, basically, which it's curious to me how that's happening because the sale hasn't gone through because the investment banker's there, but we'll just sort of fudge that timeline a little bit. Sure. Because of all that, Michael is now the highest ranking employee of Dunder Mifflin. She says, so this is where we're at. And she says, for the record, I'm not on board with the fake Stanley. Takes a pause. 
but I get it. Now, I think it's really interesting that the call sheet for this episode of the actors seems limited. Don't know when this is shot. Maybe it's a sort of a Christmas break sort of thing because we don't see John Krasinski at all. We don't see Phyllis. And you would think we would see Jim as a co-manager here, maybe keeping Michael in check. That has always been something that's weird to me, but maybe the filming schedule didn't work out. We don't see anyone in accounting in real time. Now we do see Kelly and Ryan, but just super briefly. Ryan has like one line in passing. Um, so it's really fascinating. I don't think we see Aaron either. It's really fascinating to me. We do see Aaron. We, we see do. Aaron okay. in the cold open. Okay. It's sort of just really fascinating how this episode in real time is shot. Now with all the flashbacks, everyone is shown at least once. Now Aaron being a newer character and not sort of involved in it doesn't appear in a lot. I I didn't even notice that um, all those people did not appear in real time. The biggest reveal, though, for this bit is Computron, which I guess is like a very early version of an Alexa or a Google Home. Oh, good point. It's but. Michael says it is the thing that keeps the office running, it keeps schedules, it keeps everything going, and really it's just Dwight on speakerphone somewhere else in the office. Exactly, and it, it Michael doesn't even show it off in a way that shows how it benefits the office. He basically, as Curtis says, uses it as a early type of Alexa saying, Computron, what's the world's largest ocean? And then Dwight says, calculating, calculating, Pacific Ocean. Like how, that's, it's just a Google. It's just a, yeah. Which, okay, you know what it reminded me of, which is sort of showing my age, quote unquote, if you will. It reminded me of that Disney Channel original movie, Smart House. <laughs> where, where Katie Seagal plays the Smart House. It's, that is a top tier uh, Disney Channel original movie. Hey, we have time to kill. Go ahead. Give me your three favorite Disney Channel original oh, movies. Oh, man. Okay. Halloween Town. <laughs> you do love Halloween Town. You watch it all the time around <laughs> Halloween. Double Teamed was also good. Is that the one? That's the one with the twins. Yes. The basketball, play basketball playing twins. And then I think it'd be a tie for like Alley Cat Strikes or Quince. They're all ridiculous. They are the most ridiculous premise. When we first got Disney Plus, Curtis really wanted to watch Brink, which I'm going to guess is in one of your top three. It's the top. Yeah, it's number one. Go ahead and say what your other two. Uh, number one, Brink. Number two, Johnny Tsunami. Oh, good one. And three, I might have to go with Alley Cat Strike. I forgot about That's that a one. Good one. I was going to say Smart House, but Alley Cat Strike was really good. You forget, so we were watching Brink, you forget that when they aired on the Disney Channel, there were commercial breaks in there. So it seemed longer. And then with those commercial breaks, you don't realize how thin the plot can be a little bit. How they're sort of jumping around. Not jumping around, but like I said, just a little thin. And it ends up being maybe a 70-minute movie, but it fills a probably 90-minute time slot, maybe 120 
with all the commercials for the next Disney Channel original movie. Right. <laughs> and, and in watching it streaming now, like you can see where the commercial breaks were yes. because there's the fade out and then they jump cut to the next thing. Yes. Oh, man. And so, as Antoinette said, the investment banker says that all he needs to do is check out the warehouse and talk to the HR rep. And talking to the HR rep is the bulk of this episode. However, Michael makes one more improvement. (laughs) And he has Dwight pose as Toby, which I'm not sure was all that smart. Like, I understand that Michael doesn't like Toby and might be afraid of what Toby might tell this guy, but I don't think Dwight is your most reliable person to then put in charge. Not at all. And also... That thought process that you just said that Michael's taking on, that assumes that Toby does his job, which we know he doesn't. Correct. He doesn't. Michael just is wary of anyone in HR and assuming that they're trying to kill fun, but but Toby does the absolute bare minimum, and sometimes not even that. And in this interview with the investment banker, continues to do the absolute bare minimum. At a certain point, Toby tells the camera, I don't want to lie, but I don't want to tell the truth. Now, as we get into the categories that this banker is asking about and sort of verifying and fact-checking, we can understand why that would be. There is a lot. As we've covered in this podcast up until now, there are a lot of problems in the Dunder Mifflin Scranton branch, mostly of Michael's making sometimes. Yes. So it would make sense that Toby wouldn't want to air all the dirty laundry. Now, Toby, it's also funny. This is sort of just how this goes. We're supposed to think that or know from past episodes that Toby is a part of corporate. He is the sort of corporate liaison to the Scranton branch, if you will, as part of HR. But somehow he's still there and still has a job. And that's just the that's just the sort of quote unquote movie magic or TV magic, if you will, of Paul Lieberstein's part of the cast. Like, he needs to be in it. I suppose that that is a good point. Um, Maybe, like you said, there isn't a deal in place. They do have a buyer. And you are correct in saying that the corporate structure probably doesn't get dissolved by this point. But let's, let's say they... That, that they are. Like, let's say that that actually would happen. I have to imagine that the company that is purchasing would at least keep, well, not would, I think that I would think they'd be required to keep a HR department intact until they come in and probably replace with their own HR department. Right. That would be my guess. Someone that knows that company's philosophy, background, you know, does things how they want it to be done. So anyways, sort of getting into this interview, this is where we start seeing the flashbacks. And it's, I think it's a pretty fun episode. I will say when this episode aired in real time, my friend at the time was sort of frustrated by it. He's like, I want new office content. I can go on YouTube and watch any sort of 
compilation thing that I want. He's like, basically, they just went on YouTube and got these. These are already made up by fans. Sure. <laughs> In just a side note, we kind of just glazed over this, but Toby does eventually come back to his desk and just like, Dwight, what are you doing? Right. And Dwight tries to play it off as that this is, you know, some lunatic. And then he realizes that he wants to claim who he is because he's the top salesperson in the company. He may be able to angle for a better position in the company. Except the investment banker doesn't work for the company. He's a third-party fact checker, basically. And so the investment banker talks to Toby and asks him about a series of categories where some problems may arise with the purchase of Dunder Mifflin. Right. He says that the the company that's interested in buying Dunder Mifflin doesn't want any surprises. And those categories are liabilities. Toby then asks for cl- clarification on what liability issues might mean. And in this context, the investment banker is looking for possible injuries, work workman's comp, those type of things, like physical liability issues. Toby sort of hesitates, and then you can sort of see him looking, you know, he does the sort of look up, flashback sort of thing a little bit, and we just get flashes to different seasons. The first one we get is to season two, where Michael takes a forklift and knocks over all the shelves in the warehouse. The banker then asks about just general happiness in the office or physical assaults. He then asks about sexual harassments, followed by waste of time or resources. And then the last group of flashbacks we see is spurred on by Michael, who towards the end of this meeting comes in probably just to make sure Toby isn't bad-mouthing the company. And Michael just likes to meddle. Sure. And so Michael sits in and he says something along the lines of, this is a place where friends become lovers and lovers become sexual partners sometimes. And so the final category is inter-office relationships. So one thing I missed, the banker also asks if there is anybody near retirement age. So... Antoinette, let's do a power ranking here. We'll start at the bottom. What do you think is in this office, in in Dunder Mifflin, what do you think is the, of the six things, what is the sixth worst problem? What is the, what's at the bottom? What, what don't they have to worry about very much? I'd say the retirement age thing. Basically that montage was just a montage of Creed and the weird things he says sometimes. To me, Creed isn't enough of a major character to warrant that, but maybe for the production of this, they just needed to fill a little bit more time. What is your number six? I also have retirement age. Yeah, agreed. Considering Creed is literally the only person nearing retirement age. Probably Stanley Stanley and Phyllis and, well, I guess Michael, considering Phyllis and Michael are the same age, might be getting there, but... I hate to say this about Phyllis, but 
if they are supposed to be the same age, Michael certainly wears his age better than Phyllis does. Sure, and Stanley's often talking about retirement and wanting to retire, so we have to assume he's near there. Now that could be five years out. You know, I know a lot of people I work with talk about retirement, and they're like five plus years out, so you never know, I guess. What is your fifth? I chose the relationship category that was spurred on by Michael. Now, we know that there is a lot of inter-office dating happening here. That's just sort of the nature of a show set in a workplace. It happens, for example, at Parks and Rec as well, like where you just have a lot of different, you know, dating of different people happening. But I don't see that as a major liability. Now, you could argue that it could be an HR nightmare and a potential problem, but it is not the top problem. What's in your fifth spot? I'm going to put the physical assaults and happiness here. We don't have a ton of physical assaults. Most of the ones we see are relatively minor. Probably the most egregious one is where on diversity day, Kelly slaps Michael and Michael absolutely had that coming for him. Yeah, yeah. And just because it's tied with office happiness, I would say that the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin has probably your average office happiness. Like, nobody is super thrilled to go. Very sure. few people are super thrilled to go in their job. Most people just, like, are like, okay, fine, this, is, this isn't bad enough that I want to just quit. Yeah, the, it's sort of the... I don't know. I don't want to be, I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but it's sort of the approach that a lot of people I know, or at least Curtis and I and the people we work with might take to their jobs. Like it's not the worst thing that happens to us every day, but it's just something we do during the day, (laughs) I guess. So what, what do you have for number four? I had what you had for five, the general happiness. What's your number four? We switched those. Okay. I have inter-office relationships just because we have seen some problematic ones. Mostly, Jan and Michael was a big one because of the power dynamic there. You could argue that Jim and Pam are kind of in that same position now, considering Pam isn't exactly qualified for her job, and it might be on Jim to fire her. And he's not going to do that. That's fair. That's very fair. What is your third problem? The liabilities for injuries, workman comp. A lot of them happen in the warehouse. And now we, the, the standout for this is the safety training episode. But in the montage for this, we see a lot of potential injuries uh, one of my favorites being, and we'll talk about this in a, in a little bit, Dwight's fire drill. And then also Meredith getting hit by a car and Meredith getting the bat trapped over her head by Dwight. Is Meredith going to sue? Did she sue? No. I don't know what the statute of limitations would be for Meredith and suing Michael for hitting her with his car. It would probably be negligence basically and he admits as much to Ryan on the phone in that episode but I would say that what's in your third spot 
I think we have the same ones from here on in. Okay. Uh, I have liabilities here. Do you have waste of time and resources next, followed by sexual harassment? Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about those. Sure. We we kind of have a with the last two here. We have a quantity and quality. Quality not being the greatest word here, but I think you know what I'm going sure. for here. Yeah. There is obviously significantly more time wasting and resource waste going on at the Dunder Mifflin office. However, those pale in comparison in terms of being problematic when it comes to the sexual harassment that goes on in the office. Exactly. Sexual harassment, terrible jokes is a common, common and huge problem, mostly led by Michael at this office. And you can certainly tell that's the case because Michael is the one featured most prominently and in the worst light in the flashbacks is talking about sexual harassment. It is just basically Michael's MO. Yeah, it's basically Michael does it all with Kevin kind of sprinkling some in there here and there as well. So with this being a flashback episode, we get to relive some of our favorite office moments. So Antoinette, why don't you go ahead and give us your top five moments that got shown here? Number five was kind of hard for me to pick because I will say in some of these flashbacks, for example, the general happiness ended up being a montage of people getting hit. (laughs) So that was, you can't really extrapolate a moment from that, I would say, but I chose my number five from the sexual harassment montage. And that is the extended scene in which Michael announces his retirement from comedy, quote unquote, and Jim baits him into saying that's what she said. Number four, (laughs) this always gets me a little bit. Number four is the Jim and Pam relationship montage, but my favorite moment from that is the season three finale in which Pam is having her one-on-one with the camera and she is trying to be strong and say, you know, she's gonna move on. Her and Jim just never got the timing right and maybe someday, it'll work out and at that moment he comes in and asks Pam on a date and he and if she's free for dinner that night and says it's a date and I just like how that's phrased and then just her reaction to it and in this episode that just kicks off it's basically a Jim and Pam show for a while there really just shows the arc of their relationship number three one of my favorite season three episodes and episodes of all time is safety training and the trampoline and watermelon uh, incident with Dwight in which Michael is trying to teach everyone a lesson about the dangers of the office my number two is one of Jim's pranks and they show a pretty extended montage of Jim's different pranks on Dwight And my favorite prank that Jim plays on him is the identity theft one. And (laughs) Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. And my top moment shown here is the Super Bowl episode cold open, Dwight's fire drill. And the moment they show is the one that makes us laugh out loud every time is when Oscar climbs up in the ceiling, tells Angela to stay alive. He's going to get help. And she says, save Bandit, and throws the cat up. 
<laughs> into the ceiling and then it comes crashing down on our desk. <laughs> Give us your top five moments shown here. We have two of the same ones. Uh, my number five is Michael driving the lift in the warehouse and Daryl is very adamant he gets off of it and Michael's like no no I got it and then he knocks over a shelf which domino effects into other shelves and my favorite part is the two lines that follow where Michael says somebody will clean that up and Daryl yells at him we gotta clean that up <laughs> yeah like who is Michael getting Number four comes from the dinner party episode where Michael is explaining how he had to get a vasectomy, get it reversed, <laughs> and then get it redone, and just snip, snap, snip, snap. That's a good one. Three is the watermelon one, uh, s same as you. And it is just because, like, it's a great like just tracking shot where they're just like this is the greatest thing ever and then it bounces and they can see what's about to happen and it's like no 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 and it explodes all over stanley's car yeah number two comes from the basketball episode from season one and it's where we see stanley dribble for the very first time yeah and number one same as you is Angela throwing Bandit into the ceiling and having him come crashing down on the other side. It's the it really whole does. cold open is so yeah. well done. Like you said, really does make me laugh every single time. Uh, Antoinette, let's go to the annex and find out any fun facts about the episode. Okay, so you picked up on this while we were watching the episode, but Steve Carell's hair in this episode looks ridiculous. It's you can tell it's a little blonder. It's sort of bluntly cut. And it's because he's filming dinner for schmucks. Yeah, and it was it was a weird thing because, and I only realized this as we were recording, I only noticed it when he came in to interrupt the mm -hmm. meeting between Toby and the investment banker. The only other time we saw Michael before that was he was wearing a helmet. So you couldn't see his hair. Yes, and he's wearing the helmet because of the hair. And it almost, it, I don't know this for a fact, but to me in the filming of this episode, it's almost like they're filming from a little bit lower on Steve Carell. Like the camera is angled up at him, so you don't get like a full shot of his hair. And I, I don't know enough about TV production, but I was always under the assumption that actors wore wigs for continuity sake but maybe not i'm sure that's expensive as well and like time consuming for hair and makeup but definitely not wearing wigs yeah and i guess i think for personally what's most jarring about it is that it's like it is so it is almost like drawn on like the part is very pronounced yeah and like <laughs> the like his lineup around his head around just the edges very pronounced I feel like they could have just at least, like, toused the part a little bit just to, like, blend it a little bit more. Yeah. I do really like Dinner for Schmucks, even though it's not a very nice movie. It is pretty funny. So, this episode features 50 flashback scenes, and they, you, and they, they included clips from 44 different individual episodes, which is, as you're watching it, you don't really realize that. 
For a little bit, this was the lowest rated episode in the show's history until a very poorly received season 8 episode. One thing that was pointed out on IMDb, and you had one of these in your list of favorite things, is that the flashbacks consist of things that sometimes happened outside of the office, particularly the relationship thing, but that was just a, I think that's just fan servicing a little bit to show, like, the Jim and Pam montage, but also mostly the Michael and Jan things, and and so some of these liabilities wouldn't actually be company liabilities that the investment banker cares about, but like I said, this was sort of meant to be a little fan Servicey, and people would appreciate this sort of episode more now, I think, than they did then. This originally aired in January of 2010 because there's so much nostalgia happening now. There's so many reboots of things, and and people like that stuff. Uh, yes and no. Like, kind of like you said before, you could easily just YouTube all of this stuff. And, and you so, could in 2010, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And that's really all I have. Curtis, do you have any firings? I had two. Really? Yes. I don't have any. Okay, I had Dwight for pretending to be Toby. Is that fireable? No? I don't know. And I had Michael for, like, quote, replacing Stanley. Fireable? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Neither of those are good looks, for sure. sure. Questionable and firing. Yeah, uh... These are all happening under the purview of nobody. So, I mean, Michael is the person that needed sure. to be firing here. Sure. So, yeah. Do you have a Dundee Award to give out? I do. Uh, the 15 Minutes of Fame Award goes to Creed because it is just very weird to me that such a minor character, probably the most minor of characters, sure. got his own section in this episode. Yeah, the fact that we didn't get a Dwight sort of, um, the eccentricities of Dwight montage is interesting to me because he is, he is such a major character. Or like the liabilities, say like Jim has had to collect weapons from Dwight three different times That would have been a really good one. Yes, exactly. Oh, that is a really big oversight, I feel like. Do you have a Dundee to give out? Yes, my Dundee is the Something Sinister is a Foot Award, and it goes to the investment banker because I cannot watch this episode without thinking about Gail from Breaking Bad. And this the, this actor, I don't know his name, unfortunately, that plays the investment banker, plays Gail, the very talented chemist who works for Gus Fring and is Walter White's sort of enemy, you could say, in Breaking Bad, which is one of my favorite shows. Not as up there as The Sopranos or Succession, which is coming back, by the way. I listened to the Succession theme song this morning. And we'll be playing uh, it for Owen in his bath tonight, I've decided. (laughs) Did you have an employee of the month? Yeah, uh, it's Toby. He's pretty much the only employee that gets extended screen time in like in real time yeah. uh, in this episode but he there are two sides of this coin as you pointed out earlier he does not do his job in informing the investment banker about all of the goings on in the office 
But at the same time, he could very easily torpedo this whole thing. And we've seen this before. Like he has every opportunity he has to really like get back at Michael and really cause some damage for Michael. He doesn't take it. And so I guess very good point. He could be commended for that. Yeah. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Stanley and Jim because they didn't appear to be at work that day. Nice. So that does it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And continue listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.